What's up, you guys? I'm Haley. And I'm Andrea. And this is Inhuman, a true crime podcast. Today, we are going to be talking about a little bit of a different case, but it's still really interesting, and I'm really excited to share it with you guys because I hadn't ever heard it, and I saw a suggestion come in. Um, The person that sent it in was anonymous, but um, it was really interesting when I started digging into it, so we're just going to get into it. Today, we're going to be talking about the mysterious disappearance of Air Force Captain William Hughes in 1983. Okay. So William Howard Hughes Jr. was born in 1950 in Seattle, Washington, and he had three sisters, and his father, William Hughes Sr., worked in the airline industry. So he was interested in flying planes his whole childhood. It's what he grew up around. Okay. In 1973, after graduating from school, 23-year-old Hughes enlisted in the Air Force, and in 1976, he was commissioned as an officer. In 79, he actually obtained a master's degree from the Air Force Institute of Technology. So he was really smart and was also excelling in his career. And in the 10 years from when he enlisted, he worked his way up to captain. So in 1983, he was a captain working in Kirtland, a base in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Now, Kirtland is known for its training wing for Air Force Special Operations Helicopter Pilots. It's also known for its research labs that develop new weapons and for its mission in maintaining and studying America's nuclear weapons. So Hughes, once he became captain, was assigned to the Air Force Operational Test and Evaluation Center, which, quote, tests new weapons and equipment for the service. And according to a a 2018 statement by the Air Force Office of Special Investigations, or the OSI, part of Hughes' job was, quote, classified planning and analysis of the NATO command, control, and communication surveillance systems. So he was doing some pretty top secret stuff. He actually had single scope background investigation clearance, which is basically like top secret clearance. Mm -hmm. And he was working with a lot of nuclear weapons technology and security, which was actually very big at the time because the Cold War was ongoing. Right. So just a quick history lesson for those of us like me who did not pay attention in history class <laughs> um, and maybe don't know a lot about the history of the Cold War, or if you didn't grow up in the U.S., you probably didn't learn about it quite as much. But the Cold War took place from basically 1947 through December 1991. It was mainly between the U.S. and the Soviet Union, or the USSR, and their, you know, allies supporting them. But the war was based around the struggle for global influence by the two superpowers, and it was largely based on threats of nuclear war, psychological warfare, and technological challenges such as the space race. So while the war was ongoing for over 40 years, tensions began to elevate in the 1980s when the U.S. started to increase diplomatic, economic, and military pressure on the Soviet Union. And in the fall of 1983, nuclear war actually almost began, but one Air Force general decided not to escalate attacks in response to news that the USSR was on high alert in reaction to NATO military exercises in Europe. So that Air Force general decided to not escalate, and nuclear war didn't happen, but it was really close. Well, thank goodness for that. I know. 
So that is a very, very basic overview (laughs) history lesson of what the Cold War was. Obviously, there was a lot more going into it, but it's mostly important to know that tensions were high, nuclear tensions were high in this time period. So in 1983, William Hughes was living in a home just outside of the Kirtland uh, base, and he was preparing to go on orders to the Netherlands. So he was set to leave on July 18th, 1983, and he was set to work with NATO officers on an operation for monitoring airborne warnings and controlling electronic surveillance aircraft. And this was a temporary duty assignment, so he was set to return to Albuquerque on August 1st. He was only going to be there for about two weeks. But he didn't show up for work in August, and he was nowhere to be found. So an OSI inquiry into his whereabouts began. Now, I couldn't figure out if he ever officially reported for duty in the Netherlands. I couldn't find anywhere if it was recorded that Mm -hmm. he did or not. Um, I don't know how much of that is just because it's military information. So it's like classified and you can't find that publicly versus if they how closely they paid attention to it. But you'd think that they were aware. But at the same time, nobody realized that he was missing until... He didn't return to work in August. Okay. So William Hughes was last officially seen in late July in Albuquerque, where he withdrew $28,500 from his bank account. Oh. Going to 19 different bank branches to be able to do so. What? Why? That's... Yeah. That's that's odd behavior. Yes. Very odd. His home was searched. But nothing alarming was found. He had a written to-do list of typical tasks and books that he seemed to be planning to read. His car was not at home, and it was later found abandoned at the Albuquerque International Airport. Okay. So not anywhere near where he should have been? Right. Okay. So in the Air Force, a service member who doesn't report for duty is considered absent without leave or AWOL. If they remain AWOL for 31 days, their status can be changed to drop from dropped from roles otherwise known as desertion and desertion is actually a crime punishable by up to five years in prison or in a time of war execution but there's only one execution because of desertion on record so it's typically just some time in prison okay that's insane because people that literally murder people don't get executed (laughs) i know i know what i think that's more of like an old yeah, old time thing. Um, yeah, like you said, it's happened once. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but even that happen. one time, like wow. Yeah, it's a big deal. Yeah, it is. So no sign of William Hughes was anywhere in Albuquerque, and he continued to fail to report to work. So he was classified as AWOL on August tenth, nineteen eighty three, but he wasn't classified as a deserter until December 9th, one hundred and thirty days after he was originally due back from the Netherlands. Okay. So he was being investigated by and wanted by the Air Force, the FBI, and Interpol by December when he was classified as a deserter. Wow. Now, one initial fear was that Hughes had possibly defected to the USSR. So there was a history of this allegedly happening in the Cold War time period Mm. where Americans with access to classified material would defect to the USSR. So basically give them information that... Intel... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So this was a thought when Hughes was initially AWOL with one Air Force captain telling the Arizona Journal in 1984, quote, that has to be an option. Hmm. Okay. However, there was 
like when the FBI got involved in the case, there was no evidence of that. And they reported that, quote, there was no indication of espionage at this point. Mm. Hugh's sister also refuted this, saying his disappearance was completely out of character for him. His entire family was saying that he was brilliant. He was a dedicated man who, quote, phoned his parents regularly before he disappeared. They also reported that there had been a family reunion that they were planning for like a couple of months out and he was really excited for it. So they were just like, there's no way that he purposefully defected to the USSR. Right. So with this, searches for Hughes continued. And while his family was adamant he didn't disappear willingly, reports of him being involved in attacks against the U.S. continued. In 1986, an acclaimed reporter named Tad Zolk claimed that U.S. intelligence officers believed Hughes had something to do with recent rocket explosions. Hmm. So, as I mentioned earlier, one of the tensions in the Cold War was the space race. And in 1986 was when the Challenger explosion happened, killing several crew members. It was a really big deal. Yeah. So, both that ship and two others that failed to launch around that time had been actually carrying U.S. surveillance satellites So those failing to launch meant the U.S. couldn't be monitoring Russia's nuclear status. Mm. So this reporter claimed that an unnamed Pentagon source saw, quote, a clear link between Hughes and possible sabotage of the American launches. But this was just all speculation from this unnamed source. It never went anywhere and there were no charges ever officially against him. After this, his name and story kind of fell off the radar. Of course, they kept searching for him and looking out for him, but there just wasn't much they could do at that point. Okay. And according to SFGate, from 1987 to 2017, his name was not mentioned in any of the press or any archived newspapers or anything. So jumping ahead to 2018, on the morning of June 6th, 2018... A man living in Daly City, a suburb of San Francisco, California, opened his front door to a team of Air Force special agents. Oh. (laughs) So this is a 68-year-old Barry Timothy or Tim O'Burney, I think is how you say it. And he was known as being a quiet man. He was a fan of the San Francisco Giants. And his neighbors said that he was a normal, friendly person. But it shocked the neighborhood when, on the morning of June 6th, Air Force agents just arrived at his home, knocking on his door in the morning. And then it got even more shocking when he was arrested and charged with Air Force desertion. Oh. This was not, in fact, O'Burney, but was William Howard Hughes Jr., who at (gasps) this point had been missing for 35 years. What? Are you kidding? Yeah. No. So he had not been found because of the investigation into his desertion, desertion, but because of a passport fraud investigation. Wow. So obviously he had to come up with a fake name and eventually it was flagged, but it took 35 freaking years. That is insane. Like, how do you get away with that for that long? That's crazy. I know. So according to the OSI, quote, after being confronted with inconsistencies about his identity, the individual admitted his true name was William Howard Hughes Jr. and that he deserted from the U.S. Air Force in 1983. Damn. So Hughes claimed he was not a spy and he had never given any information to any foreign agencies. And he explained that in 1983, he was just depressed about being in the Air Force. So he decided he needed to leave. 
So he bounced around California. He lived in San Diego, El Cajon, Brisbane, and elsewhere before finally settling in Daly City just outside of San Francisco. And in the 2000s, quote-unquote, Tim worked (laughs) as an actuary and consultant for the University of California, Oakland, where he was representing the UC system in labor negotiations, which when I heard that, I was like, how did he do that with a fake How do you name? get yeah, like, how do you get a scary. job like that with a fake ID, like a whole fake persona? Identity. Yeah. yeah. But then again, it was the 80s, so maybe like less technology to For sure, yeah. check somebody's background and stuff, so yeah. Wild. His colleagues later reported that he was cheerful and sociable and they had no clue about his past. And while living in Daly City, neighbors just assumed he was retired, he lived a quiet life, and he actually even got married not long before he was arrested. And his new wife took his fake last name, not knowing. After his arrest, like two months later, she filed for an annulment, though. I mean, I don't blame her. Yeah. I mean, that kind of sucks, but, you know. Yeah, like, I feel like if he had told her from the beginning, that's maybe one thing. But, like, obviously he lied to her about something... Major, yeah. Yeah. So William Hughes was brought to the Travis Air Force Base, not far from his new home, where he was found guilty of desertion, and he was sentenced to 45 days in military prison. Oh. And he appealed this decision, but his appeal was denied, so he had to serve that 45 days, which, you know, I feel like it's like, I don't know, I I get that. Like the, you see it the from both tip sides. Of the is five years. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's like I, I don't think that he deserved like life in prison. No. But just the fact that for so long, yeah, or death like they did before. But just the fact that for so long he like ran away and didn't say anything. I'm like forty five days. That's it. That's crazy. Yeah, and I, I feel the same way because I'm like forty five days doesn't seem like quite enough just because. Of, of everything that he put everyone through. Right. Um, but I do sympathize with, like, the mental health aspect of it. So, yeah. I don't know. It's That's a hard one. That's a really hard one. I know. Like, I do feel bad for him that he obviously was struggling with mental health and couldn't get the help he needed. So, that's why he left. But at the same time, like, think about all of the um, – the the time and money that went into searching for him not just from his family but from like air force personnel and like i said right. earlier interpol fbi and the air force were all involved so like clearly yeah there was a lot of money put towards it so that's the part where i'm like okay maybe he deserved more but at the same time you know he still got 45 days and he had to serve it yeah so it's unclear if Hughes ever reconnected with his family who spent over three decades afraid that he had been abducted and was in danger or dead A year after Hughes disappeared, his sister Christine had told the Seattle Times, quote, the holidays are the worst time. We make sure we're together to try and help each other through. That would be the hardest part, like leaving your whole family behind. I mean, I don't know what his relationship was with his family necessarily. So they might not have been like super, super close, but it seemed like they had a good relationship. Yeah. And like I mentioned earlier before, um, before he was set to go off to the Netherlands for his assignment, they were planning a family reunion, like, after he got back, and he seemed excited about it. Yeah. Dang. I mean, that just, to me, kind of proves that he must have been in a really bad place to be able to do that, you know? Let go of his family like that. I think, for me, the hardest part is, like, thinking about what he did to his family. Yeah. And just, like, 
I don't know. I just can't fathom that. But like you said, he was in a bad place and his current whereabouts are also unknown. And besides his explanation of being depressed, the true like full reason behind him leaving out of nowhere will likely never be known. Right. Some people believe that the pressure of working with NATO during a time of nuclear threat from a foreign nation was just too much. Yeah. He just needed to get out, which Uh, I definitely feel like that could be the case. And I think the biggest mystery to me is how he stayed hidden for so long. You know, as I've said multiple times now, the Air Force, (laughs) FBI, and Interpol were all searching for him. So the fact that for 35 years he remained undetected is insane. Yeah, and it's not like he ran away to another country. Like, he was right around you know yeah yeah and you know new mexico isn't that far from california no not at all and then it's wild to me that 35 years later all of a sudden they find this passport fraud and they're like oh and i don't (laughs) there's not a lot of details on how they actually fully made the connection yeah but i think what from the sources that i read it sounded like they were just doing a normal like passport fraud investigation and then like stumbled onto oh this might be yeah. this person who has been wanted for a really long time what a what a coincidence <laughs> i know right but we may never know and that is the story of the mysterious disappearance and reappearance of william hughes wow. and i know that wasn't our typical true crime story but when i heard it i just had to share because i i just cannot stop thinking about how he just stayed hidden for so long and how he could do that to his family. But, you know, we know that mental health can be a lot. um, And it's incredible Mm -hmm. that they found him. Yeah, I agree. And, you know, like I said, we don't know if he's reconnected with his family and I hope he has. And I hope that they're, you know, able to be together again and move past it. I have no clue and it hasn't been reported anywhere, but the, like sappy person in me hopes that it just all is okay now or maybe like they all they knew all along you know and they just had to put up this maybe. huge front and not yeah, get you, you know, never know arrested by the fbi <laughs> yeah you never know man but thank you guys so much for listening to this story i've been researching a really intense case it's going to come to you guys in a few weeks it's taking me a lot longer than i thought it would i know i keep saying that but eventually it'll be here but i needed a little bit of break from that intensity and of course this is still intense but not quite in the same way so yeah thank you for listening that's all i have for you guys today and until next week keep it human we love you guys bye